Hey, y'all. I'm Jen. I'm a daughter, a sister, an auntie, a niece, a cousin, and a friend. And I love pineapples on pizza, spending all day in Disneyland, shopping for bargains on Amazon, and all things literacy. I'm a Jesus girl. I love people, and I love hearing their stories. In fact, that's what I'm doing here, sharing stories with powerful lessons to encourage us, empower us to keep moving forward, and to remind us that God has our back. I can't wait for you to hear these stories. Why don't you go ahead and join us for a story worth living? So have you ever had a dream? Have you ever had a goal? Have you ever had something that you wanted to accomplish but somehow you just continued to encounter barriers and obstacles and just things kept getting in your way. I want to talk about dreams deferred. Langston Hughes wrote a powerful piece entitled Harlem, and it goes like this. What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun or fester like a sore? and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load or does it explode? It's such a powerful um, piece to me and, and it's a personal topic as well because it's something that I am well acquainted with, dreams deferred. And I want to start with the end in mind, and that is perspective is everything. And I tell you, 2020 has really been nothing short of a fog that won't seem to lift, and and it, it, it makes visibility challenging. All we dream about is getting back to normal. What's happening right now doesn't fit. Work is weird. School is even more weird. Socializing is slim to none and is challenging at best. And life as we know it, it has been severely impacted. No doubt our plans, our insights, our mobility, and our dreams have been affected. Guess what, though? The x-rays of life can show a ton of issues, but God is still whispering in our ears in spite of the circumstances that we are, that we can, and that we will. And he's still reviving deferred dreams and waking us up to their reality. It's not a fantasy. It's not a disregard of what's real right now. In fact, it's the decision to turn your face toward the sun and to begin to entertain new thoughts and new alternatives and new ways and new conclusions and new mentalities. This season, this really weird season, is calling for you to pivot toward something new. You might have to build it create it, manufacture it. You might have to plan it, but get ready to do it because you have everything that you need. And today, I just really want to encourage you to be willing just to be open to changing your mind about what you see as possible for your life, even in this really challenging space. Just start there because, you know, things start with a thought, right? Start there because what you do is going to follow what you think. 
And God promises to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Did you, did you get it or did you miss it? God promises to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Remember, what you do follows what you think. After all, he created you for more. And that's definitely a story worth living. But I want to ask a, a question. Have you ever found yourself in a profoundly precarious position? And I'm talking, you're trying to figure out how you even got there. I'm not even talking about how you got there because that's another conversation for another day. But because there are a myriad of reasons why you may have landed there, you know, I'm just trying to get you to recall, to remember, to recollect how it felt. Do you remember? Can you recall what it looked like and, and what it smelled like and what it sounded like and what it was like? Are you there in your mind's eye? What kinds of emotions are flooding your brain? And what are those memories from that experience? These are all relevant questions because reviewing this allows you to empathize with a story about a group of Jewish people who found themselves caught up in a foreign land. And it's not so much that being in a land that's not native to you is, is a bad thing. It's just that there's a different feel when you choose to visit a foreign place versus when the foreign place chooses you. See, when you choose a foreign place, you get to decide on how you're going to travel, when you're going to travel, and for how long you're going to travel. But when a foreign place chooses you, you're, you're, you're relieved of your ability to choose any of those. When you choose a foreign place, you get to decide on your itinerary, what you will and, and what you won't do there. But when a foreign place chooses you, it determines your schedule and to-do list, right? And when you choose a foreign place, you get to decide the plans and the outcomes. But when a foreign place chooses you, all the plans and outcomes lie with it. When you choose a foreign place, you're free to do what you want. But when a foreign place chooses you, your freedom is caged. But in this circumstance, a foreign place had chosen this group of Jews against their will. And they found themselves lamenting their situation. In fact, the foreign place actually asked them to sing a song. It was a song of Zion. A song of Zion was, was like a special worship song that was specifically designed to be sung to God. Well, the foreign place didn't know or, or worship the God of the Jews, and it, it was a random misplaced request. In the midst of their lament and in response to the foreign land's request for a song, the Jews asked, well, how can we sing when we're in a strange land? Strange, foreign, Strange means unusual, unfamiliar, extraordinary, mystifying, bizarre, abnormal, atypical, perplexing, odd, irregular, uncommon, and unheard of. Foreign means unknown, incongruous, unrelated, repugnant, belonging to another, not related or connected to, or alien. This is how they viewed their situation. It was unusual. It was bizarre. It was abnormal. It was irregular. It was unrelated. It was not connected. It was unknown, in fact. 
And they felt like they didn't have the freedom or the ability to do something that they would do under normal circumstances because the setting was strange and foreign. And their physical displacement impacted their emotional, mental, and spiritual capacity to perform. It just didn't make sense. Their new living arrangement threatened to choke out their potential to reset, readjust, and reestablish their purpose and design. And I think it's safe to say that 2020 sure feels like a foreign place, right? A strange place that chose us. We didn't choose it. And this concept of a foreign place choosing us reminds me of my second year teaching. Ah, it was, it was great. I, I had about 15 students enrolled in my class, such a cozy number. If you're a teacher, if you know a teacher, like low numbers, ah, it's a dream in terms of classroom management and in, in terms of just, you know, getting to know your students um, at a deep level, I mean, it's, it's a great number. You could, it's so, there's so many things that you can do. And, and we were two weeks in and we were getting to know one another really well. We were bonding. When I tell you I loved those kids, we had established a positive rapport in a really short period of time. And I was looking forward to teaching my sweet students on a daily basis. And then some disturbing news came. Two weeks into the school year, one of the fourth grade teachers in our school just quit. And instead of hiring someone new into the school, it was decided that one of the teachers in-house would have to be the one to go and fill that space. Well, I happened to be the last hired. And I was untenured at the time. So I was the chosen one to replace that teacher in that classroom. So my class was split up. Oh, it was so sad, y'all. My class was split up among the other second grade teachers. And I reluctantly moved to that fourth grade class. I mean, I had so many emotions during that transition. This was so strange for me. I didn't choose this. You know, I, I had this, this, these wonderful dreams for my second grade class um, during that school year. And it just seemed like my dream was deferred. My kids were sad. I was sad. I, I didn't have the option to choose that foreign place. Instead, that foreign place had chosen me. And before I knew it, instead of being in charge of a group of sweet, impressionable, still want to please the teacher second graders, I found myself in charge of a class that had almost doubled in size, a class of loud, rambunctious, active, not really that interested in pleasing the teacher fourth graders. And might I add, it was mostly boys. I hadn't taught any kids that old yet and, and that boisterous yet. And, and I still was a novice teacher. I didn't want this. I didn't choose this. This was strange. This was foreign. How, how was I going to perform? These big kids weren't into cutesy lessons. What was I going to say to them to get them to behave? They, they, were, they weren't too big on bribery. I mean, how, how was I going to adjust the curriculum I was comfortable with second grade curriculum at the time. How was I going to help them grow? I was so limited in my teaching experience. How was I going to sing when I was in this strange land? Well, I remember praying for strength 
and, and wisdom as I made the transition. And I had to get to a point where I made up my mind that although I had not chosen that foreign place and it had chosen me, that I would not accept anything short of my best effort while I was there. I made up my mind. And I decided that I had to put my big girl panties on and, and push my boat away from the shore because it was time to face the wind and, and, and the storm. And, and it was time to face what had actually chosen me. It was time for me to rise to the occasion. I didn't choose that life. <laughs> that life chose me. So I went into that foreign place and I, I took a $100 bill. And I, and I sat in front of that class and I talked about the value of that bill. And then I crumpled it up and, and, I, and I appeared to deface it and, and I tried to devalue it in the eyes of those kids. And each time I did something else to the bill to try to devalue it, I asked, who still wants it? Every hand in the room shot up with much enthusiasm. And as I brought my illustration to a close, I connected with those fourth graders on the fact that Every day is new and, and each of them were valuable no matter what. And, and, and that I would be there to guide and support them as their new teacher. You could hear a pin drop in that room. They didn't know me. I didn't know them. I was just as foreign to them as they were to me. But when I walked out of that classroom, I walked out with a little more pep in my step and a little more courage that I could indeed sing my song in a strange land, even if it was faint and maybe just above a whisper and acapella and a little pitchy, I could sing my song in a strange land. And that year, you know, God proved that he will use foreign places to forge characteristics in you that, that you wouldn't have even thought about developing if you stayed in your homeland if you stayed in your comfortable lifestyle and in your place of perceived safety, if you stayed in your reliable schedule, your familiar surroundings and your effortless circumstances. See, when I was pushed out into that foreign space, I, I began to recognize uh, things that, that God had put inside of me that I didn't even know were there and that I didn't even know that I needed to tap into. You know, we often pull back uh, when it comes to challenge because it's easier to lament and hang our harps on the trees, thinking back to how things used to be rather than recognizing that God is very much a part of our most difficult seasons of life. And, and he is in our most joyful seasons of life as well. And when we're in exile, he still has a plan. And when we go through difficulties, he's still working that plan. And when it's dark for days, he's still working that plan. And when the issues persist for months, y'all, he's still working that plan. And when all you have is a square peg and a round hole, God is still working on your behalf. You know, you can thrive in challenging times because pressure is the investment that produces profits. And profits are the returns on an investment. Without pressure, there are no profits. Pressure produces profits. 
Are you getting it? How does pressure produce profits? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me share a couple of illustrations that demonstrate this point. If you've ever baked a cake from scratch, the ingredients for a cake can vary based on the kind of cake you're baking. And I have a friend who just happens to be a master baker. Shout out to Narika. She would tell you in detail how various ingredients impact the outcome of the finished product. And I'm not a master baker, but I at least know that you can't estimate when you bake. You have to be precise because any little measurement that's off will affect how the cake comes out. So when you start out with a simple yellow cake, you'll include ingredients like eggs, butter, sugar, milk, flour, baking powder, and salt, things like that. Individually, each of these ingredients maintains their own physical properties. However, when when you mix these ingredients together and you place them in an atmosphere of extreme heat, these same ingredients undergo various chemical changes that not only alters their appearance, but creates an entirely new look, taste, and texture. The combination of random ingredients can create something that didn't exist before. My friends, God will use the raw materials of your life to create a masterpiece. And just remember, everything that he creates has a specific design for a specific purpose. And you have not been counted out. You're not too old. It's not too late. The randomness in your life right now doesn't disqualify you. So when it comes to a dream deferred and, and, and being in a strange and a foreign place because it chose me and, and I didn't choose it, we, we sometimes feel disqualified because of the struggle, right? Sometimes the struggle makes us feel like we're in the wrong place or, or it's not going to work. And, and I want to, to share um, an illustration uh, about my favorite motif, the butterfly. And I want to talk a little bit about the metamorphosis of a butterfly from and its journey from being a caterpillar um, to becoming a butterfly. And so the caterpillar eats and grows and, and builds a chrysalis or, or what is more familiar to us as the cocoon. And, and it lives inside this small, dark place during its transformation to a butterfly. But while it's in the cocoon, it turns into a liquid. It almost completely liquefies And then it begins to digest itself, except for what is called imaginal discs. And these discs contain all of the adult butterfly parts that will be needed once the transformation is complete. So when the butterfly fully develops inside the cocoon, it fights its way out. And it has to fight its way out because it forces blood to circulate throughout its wings. And and this strengthens them and it prepares the butterfly to be able to fly once it breaks free. And, And I, you know, I want you to pay attention to something really, really important. Notice that we don't call a butterfly a caterpillar that turned into a butterfly. We just refer to it in terms that depict 
what it is right now. We don't say, oh, look at the butterfly that was once a caterpillar. No, we call it what it is designed to become. Perspective is everything, y'all. Just like that caterpillar, while it was still in the egg, had those imaginal discs, those butterfly parts, long before it became a butterfly, you have imaginal discs inside of you as well. And those were planted inside of you by God. Those imaginal discs that are in you are those skills and those talents and those gifts that God has put in you for a specific design, for something particular. You have something to contribute and sometimes struggle gets in the way of our dreams and it takes us away from our comfortable homelands and and pushes us out into a strange and foreign place. But knowing that those imaginal discs reside inside of us and that God has this design for us, it, it, it helps us to manage our circumstances, right? It, it helps us to uh, find uh, that inner strength to begin to push through that struggle. It, it, it helps us to continue to reach forward toward those dreams that we felt were deferred. And, and as you continue to fight and, and continue to push, the blood is being circulated through your wings and you're getting stronger in the challenges and you're getting stronger in spite of the challenges. And absolutely in the moment, it can be very painful and very disheartening and very discouraging. And, and, and you get to the point where you might feel like exiting stage left and, and just, just forgetting it all. But knowing that God uses the raw materials of our circumstances and, and that he's working out specific plans for our lives adds fuel to our, those dwindling fires in our hearts when we remember that he called us by our design. He calls us butterflies. And we know that we are actually being prepared to fly. You know, sometimes because we can't see or, or we don't know the final result, we resign ourselves to, to calling ourselves what we see today, what we see right now, instead of what we were designed to be. When I graduated from undergrad and, and someone inquired as to what my profession uh, was, I proudly uh, referred them to the fact that I was a pre-service teacher. You know, I hadn't started teaching yet, and, and I... I made it a point to refer to what I would become, right? I, I wasn't actually a classroom teacher yet, but I, I called myself a pre-service teacher. And when I became a classroom teacher, it didn't matter how young my students were, I called them ma'am and sir so that they would understand and become used to what they would become. You know, when you purchase a home, even though the bank officially owns it for 15 or 30 years, we still call ourselves homeowners. We already know how to refer to ourselves according to what we will become in so many other contexts. And we've got to believe that about those dreams that we have inside of us as well. We've got to begin to call those as if they were happening at the moment. 
you know, I, I'm a small business owner and, and there's a clientele that I serve, which um, also means, you know, this entrepreneurial journey um, is, is difficult. Uh, it's challenging. There's hills and valleys. However, over the course of my journey so far, I haven't had to work through a pandemic and hard times under normal circumstances were tough, but at least, you know, the world wasn't shut down for a time and, and I could always see where God was leading and I could always see myself out. But this past mid-March, the school shut down and I do most of my work in person, in public places, and all of that was no longer available to me. And I suddenly found myself in a foreign place that chose me. I, I certainly didn't choose it. And it's funny, though, as things began to continue shutting down, you know, I, I spoke to God, not out of fear or panic, but out of an attitude of expectancy. You know, I'm not going to lie and say that I had it all together and that it was all, you know, cool. You know, I was teetering on the edge. Of, of thinking I'm going to go crazy if something doesn't become clear. And it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to feel how you feel while you're in the circumstance. God's not bothered by your tears or your rants, your anger, your fear, or your anxiety is not going to push him away. Bring it all to him because in that space of authenticity, he can calm your heart and he can refresh you on what he's already done in the past and he can remind you that he's still working on your behalf. So while I navigated my feelings and continued to lean on God in my foreign place, he reminded me that I had a Wi-Fi hotspot and I had access to Zoom for video conferencing. Just start there, Jennifer. I heard that and I created uh, the account and I began to practice and I started using various features for teaching and I contacted clients and, and all of them that were able jumped on board my video conference teaching train and the kids and I blazed through the remainder of the school year and, and, and through part of the summer in a way that made no sense. When I found myself in a foreign land, God showed me how to use what was already in my hand to maximize results. Your challenging circumstances don't trump your design and your challenging circumstances create the capacity to grow into your calling, to grow into your design. As a result of the foreign place choosing me, I was forced to come face to face with my calling. It, it inspired me instead of frightened me and, and I chose to push through the challenge. It was either tap out or grunt forward. I had only one option. And I went for it. And, I, and I, just, I just have to say that your circumstances don't determine God's level of power in your life. What God is able to do is not based on the depth of difficulty of your circumstance. And it doesn't have to be a sunny blue sky day for God to work. He can and he will work in any strange situation under any foreign circumstances to develop you to a place where you are able to live out who he called you to be. So sometimes dreams seem deferred and the struggle is brutal. I want you to remember how a pearl is formed. See, natural pearls are formed in a really bizarre way. Typically, a parasite will find its way into 
an oyster, a clam, or a mussel. And that parasite becomes an irritant that triggers a fluid in the animal's body to coat the irritant in layers. And so layer after layer is laid. And it takes thousands and thousands of layers to be laid before the pearl is completely formed. This takes anywhere from two to four years. I'm just saying it takes time. And your pearl will be forged in times of irritability where your foreign places cause annoyance, discomfort, exasperation, stress, and tenseness. And these irritations are constant and they're unrelenting. They take a while to build up layers of resistance. And that resistance will allow you to dig in your heels and keep 10 toes down. See, your foreign place becomes your gym where you work out. And as your persistence and your tenacity increases, so does your ability to handle the weight. You build muscle mass as the fibers tear, and then a pearl emerges. Your strength emerges. Your peace emerges. Your courage emerges. Your joy emerges. I said it earlier, and it bears saying again, friends, I encourage you to be willing to be open to changing your mind about what you see as possible for your life, even in a challenging space, in a foreign land. Just start there because what you do will follow what you think. And God promises to do exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think. After all, he created you for more. And that's a story worth living. I'm so looking forward to sharing more stories with you, to connect with you, challenge you, and energize you. And I've got some storytellers on deck, y'all. So stay tuned. There are more stories to come. There's something to learn from someone else's story and, and there are countless lessons of faith, hope, and love. So take some time to consider your own story. Then join us again for another story worth living.